Welcome to the Leo Learning Podcast, helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Find us at leolearning.com. Today, Leo Strategic Development Manager, Patrick Thomas, and Content Specialist, Jared Orlin, are discussing the power of learner analytics. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Jared. Thanks for joining me today. Today, we're going to be discussing an interesting subject, learner analytics, which is something you know quite a lot about in your role in the business. You've had quite a few roles working in consulting. You're still doing that. You've been a business unit director in the ops and the production side of things, uh, marketing as well. So um, is this a particularly complicated scientific subject? I mean, it can be, but that's not what I wanted to talk about today. I think for us, it's really important to just get started. And so what I want to do today is just pose some really general questions to you and just get you sort of oriented around the principles of learner analytics and that it's easy to just get started. So I think in general, let's, we should probably look at the levels of complexity here when we're talking about learner analytics and There are, borrowing from our colleagues over at Watershed, they've got a model that looks at four different levels of complexity around around learner analytics. The first level is around simple measurement. So it's the collecting of data and inputs from learner experience. And it gets a bit more complicated when you start looking at the evaluation of that data and how you're making sense of the data, putting it into charts, and then ultimately to look at how you can draw correlations around that data. And that's more, that's more advanced evaluation. And finally, the holy grail that I think everybody is aiming for is this predictive and prescriptive analytics. And that is much further down the road there are organizations that are doing that and they are they are experimenting with it because they have they've been running for several years in the collection and evaluation of their of their current data and learning programs which is fantastic but frankly the majority of client, our clients out there aren't that far into it we need to get people working with data inputs looking at the measurement of their learning experiences doing some evaluation, some really basic evaluation, and proving that this is a worthwhile endeavor to their senior stakeholders, unlocks more budget. We just need to get started with looking at valid, repeatable data inputs of learning experiences and okay. then drawing some correlations from, or trying to draw some correlations and, um, on that data. So you say it increases in complexity. What does that mean for this idea of using predictive analytics to change how we would deliver learning materials? Well, so <clears throat> that's a good question. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are talking about using AI as a form of sort of support mechanism to aid the predictive uh, changes that need to be made yeah. in, in learning programs, and I'm and I don't think you need to go that far. Yes, there are there are tools out there that you can use. Uh, I think that for the most part, when you're looking at predictive analytics, I, you know you can look at you can look at how people score. If you're just looking at assessments, for example, you can look at how some people score in a particular question, and for those people who score continuously score, or those people who score 
positive on a question and then end up passing the assessment altogether, you can start to understand that that question potentially is a shorter route for learners. Uh, and you could, by only asking one question, potentially, you could shorten the learner journey that that person is experiencing through your learning program. And conversely, if people are getting the question wrong, then you can start to think about how you might uh, intervene with additional supportive materials, knowing that people get a particular question wrong. So that's the kind of predictive analytics I think you can do in a basic form without going down the route of bringing in AI and additional third-party tools like that. And if you wanted to go the artificial intelligence route, where, where would you go with that? Right, so it's really compelling. Um, and I think that there are, uh, there are tools out there probably worth another, another uh, podcast altogether. But there are, uh, there are tools out there that could then aid in the, certainly in how you correlate, so a correlation engine, but then also okay. using those correlations to uh, support you in wider program initiatives. And those would be likely tied into some of your biggest, bigger business drivers. So you would be tying in, say, an AI system and looking at some fundamental programs that you might have. Uh, and you would probably have your leadership looking at uh, those programs that are tied directly to revenue development or profitability, production, quality, and brand reputation. That's, those, are the, those, those, those kind of big uh, business drivers would support the inclusion and development of an AI tool within your business. So are we talking about learning programs or looking at learner behaviors? Right. So that's, that's a good question. We, uh, there are different levels, different categories of analytics. And I think it's important for organizations to think through the level at which they want to measure and evaluate their programs. So you could start with looking at the overall experience of a learning program. So that would be in its most basic form, looking at say an e-learning program and you might be looking at uh, you know, frequency of use, time of day, device, you know, where people spend more time in the program, where people might be getting questions wrong or spending more time with questions. You might be looking at, in that case, where there are resources that simply aren't getting used at all. And so that's the kind of stuff that you could then pare back a program because it isn't effectual. Or you can see those things that are popular and you can start to do more of that. So that's the kind of ex learning experience. And it's more complicated format. Think about blended learning programs. Think about how your classroom events and additional third-party ebooks might or videos might play into the program. All of those play into learner analytics and all of those would be things that you would want to start to think about and measure. Taking another look at it, apart from the learning experience, you might then want to look at the learner. And you might want to then look at individuals or groups or teams. You could even expand it out depending on 
your capacity to be able to look at that much data. And then what you're trying to do in that case when you're looking at the learner analytics is, are you able to make certain guesses with the data that you have on particular teams or individuals and, ha- and usage? Uh, and that's really, that's really quite interesting when, you are, when you're looking at underperforming or, or even overperforming teams. And then you go another level and you might want to be looking at the overall program. So what would be program analytics? Program analytics might be things like uh, health and safety. You might have like a compliance suite that you were looking at. You know, it'd be any of these strategic programs that are run within an organization. And so you would want to then start to look at the efficacy of that program. How important is it for people to know what it is that they want to measure upfront? You should absolutely be thinking about upfront what you want to measure. In order to get started, you need to think through very much what do you want to measure and why do you want to measure it? And, you know, there are going to be questions. It's, you know, what are you going to do with that information? So think about your appetite. So how many people do you have on your team to help you with this? If you're just one person, then uh, and you're going to be taking and you're start you're a small company and you're starting small and you're just running data inputs into an excel spreadsheet i would say you don't want to measure the world i would say uh, i would say that you probably want to start small but you probably want to pick a project that has got the eyes of a of a senior uh, stakeholder that you can then go back and show them what you are doing with this with this data Right, because it's important to show the value of these measuring efforts. Is this something that could be used as a means to unlock leadership support? Oh, absolutely. I th- and in fact, I think you want to be cagey with this. I think you want to think through your starting program. Uh, I think you want to have the eyes and ears of a senior sponsor potentially pick one of their pet projects or, pit- or pick a program that you particularly want to see gain traction, then start with that. And, you know, you might want to look at, you know, the performance of a particular program that you've got in place. Is there any kind of urgency about that program? You might want to even consider if you run customer SAT scores, you might want to consider looking at a low performing or a high performing business unit or program that you have that is benchmarked to customer SAT scores. You know, you could look at uh, whole markets. So is there an underperforming market that you, for your product or service? Is there an overperforming market? I think that both are, both are relevant things to be looking at. If there's an overperforming market, there is a tendency to leave them alone, or there's a tendency to give them more, more budget to continue what they're doing. But if you don't know why they are overperforming as opposed to the underperforming, then then I think you've got a problem because you don't understand where the success is so that you can do more of those really good things that seems to be working in that market. And then if you run employee or customer engagement stats and surveys, gosh, it might be it might be a good place to start there, depending on your most recent employee survey results. That potentially might be a pro that might be a place to go. So I'm going to guess at a clearly defined position within your organization's data protection standards and a review of your data protection officer is the critical thing here? 
Yes, indeed. Everybody is talking about GDPR right now and, yeah. and the impact of, of GDPR uh, here in Europe. You know, it is in the news every single day now. There is mm-hmm. about organizations, large and small, that have data bleeds into uh, into the uh, great big world. And so, yes, what we're doing here is we're asking to pull in learning data, but you are also looking to drill down to individual scores and individual performance with resources. And in order to do that, you need to start capturing personal information. So you should absolutely be in close collaboration with your data protection officer. You should absolutely understand your your data protection standards. And if you're going to be using third-party tools, you need to understand what their data protection standards and, and protocols are and make sure that they are all compliant with the relevant laws. And that is something that we are supporting our clients with right now but if we're if we're talking about in you know starting small with your internal with an internal program and using excel you know loop in with your data protection officer if you are pulling in a correlation engine to support you and your data is being moved off of off of site then you're going to want to scrutinize very carefully their data protection protocols you've been listening to the leo learning podcast helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Visit leolearning.com for more insights into leading the learning revolution. Be sure to check out part two of this podcast for more of the conversation.